All right, church, and if you all would, you can turn to Acts chapter 18. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're continuing in Acts. Uh, we have scripture journals out in the cafe on the book cart. That's our gift to you if you don't know what a uh, scripture journal is. It's just the scriptures on one page. It's Acts. The whole book, it's just Acts. It's dedicated to that. Uh, one page of scripture, one page uh, to take notes. So we're encouraging you to just join us in the rest of our journey through Acts. Uh, write down questions. You can go to newhilloh.com ask to send in any question you have, and we'll try and answer it through a podcast. We can reach out to you, or we can do a blog. Um, but if we don't ask questions, we don't grow in our faith. And while you all are turning there, I want to remind you, too, those questions can be as elementary as you think they are. Like, man, maybe I need to know this answer. Maybe I, this is something that the, the kids know and I don't know. It's okay. There's no dumb question in the Christian faith, only the question that isn't asked. So we're continuing in Acts, picking up in Acts chapter 18. We took a break last week. So just to remind you, um, we, we went through the second part of Acts 17. We got into Paul in Athens and how he engaged with the people of Athens. Um, they were uh, very intellectual people. They wanted to know about every new idea. They were wash, uh, worshiping many false gods and Paul engages them with the gospel. He teaches them the truth about the resurrection of Jesus. And he's invited into the Areopagus. He, he goes before this council and he's given the opportunity to share the gospel. And he does. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back. He lays it on thick. And then ending chapter 17 says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, We'll hear you about this again. So Paul went out from their midst, but some people joined and believed. So Paul is like on this, this up and down, this, this highs, right, the, the hills and then the valleys of the mission field, something that a lot of us experience. And if we don't experience that, then there's a, a real challenge for us this morning is are we living life on mission? Because there's times where you're like, man, these people are getting it. They're, they're hearing it. And then there's other times like if I get rejected one more time, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. This is the reality of the mission we were called to. And in chapter 18, we're going to see Paul go to Corinth. And we're going to see this, this sacrificial way of living from Paul. And as we go through uh, the first 23 verses of Acts 18, so we've got some ground to cover this morning, our main point is the mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. The mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. Before we go any further, I just want to be in an attitude of prayer. I'm just ready, like, this is just something that the church is just, was working on me this week, and I'm so excited to just be in this text together this morning. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this warm building uh, this morning that we can meet and we can worship you in spirit and in truth and with one another. And I pray that you would just move amongst us this morning, that, that your word would be illuminated into our hearts, God, and that our lives would be changed. Uh, to the believers this morning, that we would be encouraged and edified by your word. And God, we would leave here being sent to go and to put Jesus into perspective. And I pray that as we, as we receive pushback, as we will, that we would be faithful to shift but not stop. God, I pray that we would, we would pivot. We would change. There would be audibles, but the play would continue on. The mission would push forward. 
And to anybody here that does not know you, they've not repented of their sins and believed in the gospel, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself this morning. Father, we praise you. You are sovereign, almighty God. Pray all these things by the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. So a lot of times... This, this point, the mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. It's important for us because if we don't grasp this, we're going to be faced with, with um, trial and error, right? But then we'll just stop. For instance, we're going to go through a, a few different things uh, to look at about the mission shifting but not stopping. So what are some things that would, would make us stop pushing forward with the mission we've been called to? Work is one of them, Right? Work is one of those things that, um, you know, we're, we're so busy with our, our day job. We work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Some of you all go above that. You need some rest. But this mission is the most important calling on your life. This is far superior than the job that puts bread on your table. That's crazy, right? Because you got to feed your family. Yes. But church, we need to find the balance and if that means cutting out some, some time outside of work, doing the luxurious and other fun things that we do, then it needs to be done because the mission must push forward. Work's one of them. People and people groups, right? Getting down on us. A friend that you may have, right? Not wanting to hear the gospel. Rejecting the truth of the gospel and you. Sometimes makes us stop instead of shifting. Our comfort. I'm not comfortable talking about these things. I'm not comfortable talking about the gospel. I'm not comfortable in this situation. I'm not comfortable moving across state, moving across the country, moving around the world to share the gospel. And timing. Sometimes timing just doesn't match up, right? Our life and, and the season that we're in, and because it, it's not that time, we just stop sharing the gospel altogether. We're going to break these down one at a time. We're going to start with work. Remember, the mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. And a good example just for that main point one more time. Methods. The message has never changed. It's the gospel. Amen, church? And then as churches have been planted, people were like, why does that church do this? And it's like, well, is the message the same? Are they faithfully preaching the message? If they're faithfully preaching the message, I don't care if they throw eggs out on the yard or have a helicopter drop them. The message has to remain the same. When that starts to be watered down, when that starts to be um, just given up for the sake of reaching people, then we're not reaching people. The message remains the same. The mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. First off, work. Our day job, right? It may shift our mission, but it does not stop it. It does not stop it. Acts 18, picking up verse 1, going through verse 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Became Claudius, had commanded, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. 
So this is interesting. This is a, an interesting take, and, and uh, we see Paul kind of settling down and working a day job, right? It's talking about his trade here in Acts chapter 18. Part of Jewish customs for parents was to teach their children some sort of trade, and Paul's was being tent making, right? He was a tent maker by trade. This was something he did, something he was good at, and something he could do to put bread on the table and support his mission. He had support from other churches. We see that when he writes to the church of Philippi. He says, thank you for, for your support, and, and you all sent me aid in my time of need, and you all cared for me, right? They were, they were his, like, sending um, a supporting church. But his trade was tent making, so this trade, this day job, was not any less constraining than our jobs today. Sometimes I think that, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, we look back at, at their time and think like, man, it would have been easy to live then, right? Like, we could, we could have lived then. Like, times are crazier now. Like, I don't know if Paul could have kept up with our, our way of living, right? Like, they worked, the, the men would work sun up to sun down, Right? And they didn't stop. It was to put food on the table and to do what God had called them to do. And, and shame on me for ever thinking that, that, that I could live in Paul's time or I could live back in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and we just keep going back and back and back and it was just easier and easier and easier and it's just gotten more difficult. But church, we've made it more difficult on ourselves with all of our children's extracurricular activities and, and pulling them out of church activities so that they can, they can be with the world and of the world instead of saying, hey, you can do this, not this, 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 and this. Right? We need to start to make some sacrifices because it's not any harder today than it was then. Paul grinded hard for his bread. He worked, but he also proclaimed there was nothing that you could have put in front of Paul that would have stopped him from sharing the gospel. No 40, 50, or 60-hour work week would have kept this brother from sharing the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is of the utmost importance in our life, church. It's so important for us to understand this. And Paul could have received money, right? This is something that I'm just going to spend just a quick second on this. Paul could have spent time asking for money and raising support, and he did get aid from people, but he had this, this skill. And often when he did it, he was relieving them of, of that financial burden. And he talks about this in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 7 through 9. Church, pastors can be paid. This isn't one of those sermons. We're not begging, hey, the tithe box is right there by the door. You throw it on your way out, and 80% goes here, 20 That's not what this is about. But Paul took this trade and he did it for a reason. He writes here to the uh, church in Thessalonica. He says, for you yourselves know how uh, you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked, church what? Night and day. Not easier then than it is now. That we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we... Uh, do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. And church, I think this is so important because there are very few people. We've got four pastors here, right? Three and then a pastoral candidate. And I know I can, he's like, please say, we've got three pastors here voted in by you, church, and one candidate. Only one of us is on full-time staff on a paid position, be myself, Right? 
And these brothers are a greater example than me because these brothers work their day job 40, 50, 60 hours a week, pray for them, and they do not waver on their commitment to this church family. And what Paul is saying there is he's, we're taking this off of you, not that we didn't have a right to it, not that we, we didn't deserve or couldn't ask for, but what a beautiful example to those who are called to ministry, every Christian who work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and still must carry forth the gospel mission. Amen? This is so important for us to understand this morning is that the mission may shift but it doesn't stop. You may reach a season in your life where maybe you're, you're laid off and you've got more time for the ministry, right? Good. But when life hits you hard and you're working 40 and 50 hours a week, it may shift, but it doesn't stop. We've got to find ways to work and to, uh, if you all are friends of, or, or uh, you like the show Friends, like Ross, pivot, right? Pivot! You've got to do it. You've got to figure out how to work the gospel into your life and into those around you, no matter how busy life gets. And it's not just work. It's all of life. I mentioned kids' activities. Maylee, our oldest, she's five. She's only done one sport. She did t-ball. And I about lost my mind just two nights a week. And some of you parents, you're like every night of the week. And it's like practice, practice, game, practice, hangout. And I'm like, man, I feel for you all. It's tough, and we don't want to take our kids out of those opportunities, right? We don't want them to not have the same opportunity and the same, same experience of life. But church, if we don't see the value of their souls and of the souls of those around us, then we're completely missing the mark of why we were made to glorify God. And those of you who have been saved have been reconciled into that relationship, so you should live like it. We should be living like sinners saved by God's grace, made saints to go and to share the word. The mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. Second thing that gets in the way is, is, is people, Right? You may have a person that you're sharing the gospel with or a people group you're sharing the gospel with, like a group of people, friends that you had maybe before you were believers, friends that you've made after you were believers that are not believing in Christ. The last thing we should do is stop sharing the gospel with them. The last thing that we should do is, is just give up altogether. But what does Paul do? Church, Paul, Paul's example here in Acts 18 is, is profound to me. Because I think of every situation being faced with these same things. I go back to, to my, my day job, right? Back when I worked in a warehouse. And I'm like, man, yeah, I can see how you just get tired in the summer. You just sweat all day long. They're like, yeah, we got AC. And I'm like, where? Like, where do we have AC? I'm exhausted when I get home. But I'm reminded of the importance when I was a youth pastor in those days. Hey, I still got to make it, right? I get off at 5, and I got to be all the way 30 minutes away to do youth group at 6, and it was good, it was beneficial, it was fruitful, and church, most of all, it was God-honoring. Don't let people get in the way. Sometimes we must move on by moving forward from people, too. There are times and seasons where you've got to separate yourself from a person or a people group, but don't separate yourself from the gospel. Sometimes you just have to move on, like Paul did, verse 5. 
When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. This was the point of contention, right? They're moving forward. They're trying to share the gospel with the Jews and say, hey, you've got it up to this point, but you have to believe in Jesus. And that's what he's testifying about. He's telling them about Jesus the Christ, our Savior, the Messiah, the one they longed for and put up on a cross. And it says, and when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. You can look at this and you can be like, man, why, like, why would Paul cut them off? Like, why would Paul just, just stop? He didn't. He shifted. He did not stop. He shifted. See, Paul's affection for the Jews is undeniable. What does Romans 9, 3 say? What does Paul say talking about the Jews and God's plan for them? He says, for I wish, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul says, if I could be their savior, if I could lay my life down for them, I would for the sake of them. But he knows that only Christ is king. He knows that only Christ could pay that price. But this is the heart that he had for his people. But right here, you, like, you look at what Paul's been through. You just run from town to town, right? Like, get out of here, dude. You keep sharing the God, like it, it's, it's the gospel's continuing forward. Churches are being planted by God through this man, Paul. Paul's sick of it. And what does he say? He says, your guilt is on you, not me. I'm innocent. I'm moving on. Church, my sins aren't, aren't on you. You don't have to bear my sin. Church, you couldn't bear my sin. Church, I couldn't bear your sin. I'm not the eternal incarnate God, Christ. I'm not him, nor could I be him. And Paul tells them, he turns to them, he says, I've said it. Your guilt's on you. I'm innocent. Church, there are times where we just need to stop and move, just shift, right? Like stop with those people and shift. But a lot of times what happens in my life especially, is I just give up. I hate that rejection. I don't want to be harsh like Paul and say, you're guilty of your own sin. Forget about it, man. And just, just silence. That discouragement leads us into negligence of the gospel where we're no longer doing what God told us and commanded us to do. Church, don't be caught up in sin by our silence. Don't stop sharing the gospel. Shift. I read in a book one time, it said, it, it, even with discipleship, it said if you're trying to disciple somebody, let me give you a good example, and, and you're going through a book, and you meet once a month, and they're like, ah, I didn't like read the book. It's like, all right, like first time, like forgiven. All right, next month, you're, you're meeting together. Ah, I didn't read the book again. Move on. Shift. Shift, right? It's okay to do that. You want to know why? Because you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. So instead of stopping, shift. 
We have to invest our time into people. And sometimes the best thing to do is to shift away and let them realize that this is serious. Like not reading the Bible is serious. Not taking the time to go through a chapter a month. Not taking the time to meet together and and fellowship and worship and eat together. Not doing those things is a shame on me. Shame on us. Don't stop shift. It says, your guilt is on you, not me. I read this and it reminds me. Sometimes I'm allowed to babysit. Um, not my, my children because that's called parenting. Can I get an amen, men? Yeah. All, all, the, all the women are like, I don't know why dads call it babysitting when it's their own kids. Like, I don't know. Because we, we're not as skilled, right? Like Aubrey's skilled. Um, but sometimes I'm allowed to babysit other kids. My nephew Archer uh, and I were, were playing one time. And I'm like, I was trying to remember this, this story perfectly. My wife says I focus on details too much. So um, it's probably off a little bit. But we were playing, and I know for sure there was a ball involved, and something got broken. And Archer was like four at the time, and I like kicked the ball and went like right over his head and like hit like a vase or something, like knocked water over, broke something. And I immediately, I knew like Aubrey and Chris are like coming. I'm like, Archer, tell them you did it. <laughs> You're four, you won't get in trouble. It's a bad look for me, right? Like bad, bad look for me. Four-year-old Archer looks at me, he's like, no. I'm like, You're four, dude. Come on. And like I hear him, and I'm like looking at him like they're behind me. He's like, Michael did it. And I'm like, you never say my name. Never. And here you are. And Archer's like, your guilt is on you, man, not me. Menacing. I do enough wrong. I can't take that guilt. I cannot do it. Church, you do not have to take the sins of your friends and of your family, but you do have to take the gospel to them. And there are times when you're get re- you get rejected and you're getting beat up. Sometimes you got to tell them, hey, this is the gospel. I'll continue being your friend. I'm always going to believe this. But it's time for me to move on, right? You just have to shift, but don't stop. It's uncomfortable, I know, but we have to not think about our comfort and think about the gospel. Number three, comfort. Our comfort level should never stop the mission, when Aubrey and I were thinking about moving up to Ohio, uh, we both had different levels of comfort. For her, moving to Ohio, where she's from, was comfortable. She's like, I, I just feel like it's the easy way out, Michael. Like, I've got aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters, they're all up in Ohio, so if we move there, it's just easy. And I said, well, if we stay here, it's easy for me, right? Right? Like, I've got this job lined up, I'm youth pastor at a church, I can just stay in this town, and we can just be with my family. And we started praying about it, like, where would God want us? And we finally came to uh, and, and discerned the calling to come up to Ohio, and it became very uncomfortable. There's this comfortable feeling about being uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. Like, when you know that you're in the will of God, your flesh can be uncomfortable, but your spirit is at peace, right? Like, Aubrey would look at me sometimes and be like, I don't know, like, you're, like, making $1,000 as an intern a month, and, like, I feel like we should get another job. I'm like, we're good, right? Like, we've, we've done all this. Stuff. I'm just, I'm at peace with it because of what we're doing. Our comfort level should never stop the mission of God because we are called to an uncomfortable faith. We're certainly called to that. Jesus wasn't lying when he said that people would hate us. Jesus wasn't lying when he said that. They will hate you because they hate me. That's a little bit of encouragement. It's like, ah, they don't hate me for me. They hate me because of you, Jesus. 
right? If that makes you feel better, then great. Jesus wasn't lying when he spoke of spiritual warfare. And the holy word of God testifies to a difficult Christian walk in this fallen world. It doesn't say anything less than difficult. Nothing. It says that we are going to face hard times, and church, harder times are coming. So Paul tells them, he says, moving on, right? Your blood is on your head. I'm innocent. Verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord. Paul had been sharing the gospel there. So the leader of the synagogue believes in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Let me reiterate that. They believed and then they were baptized. We believe in believer's baptism. We celebrated it last week. It's so good. They believed. They professed faith. They were saved. And then they told the world. These Jews that Paul just shifted away from, they're telling, hey, Jesus is king. Let me show you. I am now buried with him and raised to walk in newness of life. They are proclaiming it to the world, both word and deed. And the Lord said to Paul in verse 9, one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. Paul probably because of past experience in chapter 17, 16, and 15, like all the way back to Paul's conversion. He's going and sharing the gospel. Churches are being established. Soon as something good starts to happen, Paul's driven out, right? Like it was profound that we saw that Paul spent several weeks in one place. Like that was like, wow, he spent a lot of time. He ends up spending a year and a half here. It says in verse 11, stayed a year and six months, six months teaching the word. So Paul is probably getting ready to get discouraged by the good things because he knows that he's getting ready to be sent out of here. The Jews are about to get violent and send him out of here. They don't want anything to do with Paul. He keeps sharing the gospel. Churches are being planted. The gospel is being established. Jesus is king and people are seeing it. But God encourages Paul, don't leave. Stay here. Don't be afraid Go on speaking and don't be silent. Church, when we have fear of, of people and fear of, of comfort, do not waver the word of God. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Now, God granted him protection for a while. Why? He says, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many, many in this city who are my people. Paul's ready to, to take up and, and move on, right? That's what he had been doing, establishing churches and leaving. But God had another plan because he had people that he had chosen to be his people and be a part of his people and go proclaim to his people. God wasn't done with Corinth and he wasn't done with Paul in Corinth. As uncomfortable as it was getting for Paul being in the will of God was much more important. And God assures him, I will protect you. And he stayed for a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Like how wonderful that is, the, the time that he spent and he invested, right? We had like a few weeks uh, of Paul being in other places. But Paul's here for a year and a half. And this was a pagan place. 
We read in, in 1 Corinthians and we see this church gone wild, right? We see the, the despicable things that they were doing after coming to know the Lord. And we see in 2 Corinthians the adjustments that they had made and that Paul is then encouraged by them. It's so great to see the sanctification of this church. And he spent time with them. But after a year and a half, verse 12, When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, See to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. Now there's this time, right? Paul was granted protection. But even then, church, we are not guaranteed a cookie-cutter life. Amen? I hope we understand that. That's so important because when we go out, there's going to be seasons where it's like, that guy could have punched me in the face for telling him he was going to hell for not believing in Jesus. Like, he's bigger than Mark Sherry, right? Like, Pastor Mark, he's bigger than him. Mark doesn't like when I talk. Yeah, I know. He's bigger than Pastor Gary. He could bench more than both of them, and he could have just knocked me clean out. God granted me protection. And then you run across somebody much smaller, and it's like, then they beat you, and you're like, what? doesn't make sense right the protection wasn't granted forever but we see that the Jews tried to take this so the the council that they were taken before uh, they took Paul before was real serious Paul could have ended up in like in prison he could have ended up killed over this again he says this is an internal matter you all figure it out amongst yourselves just figure it out even he was like this is crazy you don't need to take this to the law you all settle it but then they beat him right in front of the tribunal where Galileo was. It says he paid no attention. He paid absolutely no attention. But church, it's in moments of discomfort that we are to proclaim the good news. Not only to those around you, but also to yourself. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you are suffering, when you are beaten, when you are rejected, that you are to remember that in our suffering, we are connected to Christ. Paul says this in Romans 8, verse 18. It won't be on the screen. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, for the creation waits with eager longing the revealing of the sons of God. Paul talks about that this, this, this persecution isn't worth it in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in the end. Church, you will receive a glorified body. They can beat you. They can whip you. They can do anything that they want. But all those markings will be taken away, and your body will be raised, and you will be raised in new life. Our comfort level, even when being beaten, should not stop the gospel. We shift, we pivot, but we do not stop. Last point, timing. 
Sometimes we want everything to like work out with our timing. We want it, it's gotta be on our time and if it isn't, then uh, just it wasn't meant to be, right? Another example, I've talked about this several times, but when we were getting ready to move up to Ohio, I could have looked at that timing and been like, God called us to Ohio, so I don't have to share the gospel here right now, right? No, the gospel needed to continue going out until the day that God removed me from there. Paul was forbidden by God to go to Asia and share the gospel, right? Remember that back a few chapters ago in Acts? He was forbidden by God to take the gospel to Asia. That's a great thing to do, but it wasn't in God's timing. What did Paul do? Between that, that rejection of going to Asia and now churches have been planted, he didn't stop. He only shifted. But look at what happens. Look who gets the gospel now, Asia. But after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with them, Priscilla and Aquila, um, at Centre, he had cut off his hair, uh, cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And then he came to Ephesus and he left them there but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So he's now there. He's in Asia. Ephesus is where he wanted to go, but it wasn't able to go. And now he's there proclaiming the gospel. Now he's there in the synagogue and he's reasoning with the Jews. And it says in verse 20, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch, which was his sending church, if you all remember well back with him and Barnabas um, being sent out. And it says, when he had landed at Caesarea, he went and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next, to the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Church, it's so easy to just look at that, that passage, just 18 through 23, and like, oh, Paul's just moving around. Church, he's moving according to God's timing. It is so important that we're not just jumping the gun. Oh, this is a good and holy thing to do. Let's, let's just go there. Church, stop and pray about it. Paul wanted to go to Asia and preach the gospel. And if you, just, if you stopped there when he was forbidden, you'd be like, did they ever get the gospel? Yes, they did. And there are believers there. And we know from Ephesus, the, the epistle to the, the church in Ephesus, we know that they were a good bunch of people. And he blesses them and he loves them and he encourages them through the word of God. And he reminds them that they were set apart for this mission that we too were called to. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, we are called to the same mission. We are called according to his purpose, for his glory. And we, too, should not stop. There should be nothing that this life throws at us that would make us say, the gospel isn't worth pushing forward anymore. Church, there's nothing. We can't come up with one scenario here this morning. As much as I'd love to try, because then we can just stop. I can go home and play Monopoly, actually finish the game, right? I could go home and just do many different things. But this is the most important thing you will ever be a part of, that I will ever be a part of. Nothing should stop this. Not work, not our life, not our life circumstance, not people in our life or people groups we're sharing with, not our comfort level, and not our timing. The mission may shift, but it doesn't stop. 
And that mission is to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And you know what they should do? After we're disciple, we've discipled them, we've taught them the basics of the Christian faith, and we're continuing to disciple one another, they too should go and teach and baptize and teach, make disciples, baptize, teach, make disciples, baptize, teach. Church, that's what we are supposed to do so that God would receive the glory and souls would be saved according to his purpose and according to his will. Amen? Church, go ahead and stand this morning. And, and what I want to say and what I want to end with is this message and this mission is not going to stop this morning. So if you're here this morning and you've not repented of your sin and, sins and believed in the gospel, this is the time. And there's nothing, I, the mic could go out right now. I'd pull Pastor Gary and share with us the gospel of how important it is. Brother Jamie, can you hear me back there? Good. I hope that everybody can hear me loud and clear because the gospel is that important that, that nothing should silence us. And that if it means that we lose our vocals for tomorrow, it was worth saying it yesterday so that lives could be changed for all of eternity. Repent of your sins and believe in the gospel now. The times may change, but the message never stops. The mission continues forward as we, as we approach people and as we go and seek to put Jesus into perspective. Church, be willing to shift. But do not waver or water down the message. We need the gospel. Amen? Let's preach it to ourselves and let's take it to others. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had together in your presence and with one another. Just thank you for this, this church family that you've called us to. God, you've not just saved us to be a part of the capital C church, but you've commanded us to be a part of the local church. And man, we are blessed here. Wow, are we blessed here. I thank you so much just for this calling to, 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 to pastor our church family. And God, I understand the importance of, of each and every one of us living life on mission and carrying forth the gospel, shifting but never stopping. So God, I pray that you would lead us. I pray that we would not waver, not one bit. Pray that we would stand firm, not just on the gospel, but everything the gospel touches. Every aspect of life, we would be willing to get our hands dirty and share and make disciples, teaching them all that you have commanded. God, right now I pray for the believer to be encouraged. This is convicting, and, and looking back in even my life this past week and the past year, there are many opportunities that I just left. I just did not take the opportunity to the doors that you had open. God, we felt that conviction this morning, but I pray right now we would be encouraged by your spirit to be reminded that doors are still open. Opportunity is still there, and we need to be obedient to go and carry the gospel through those doors. And God, I pray right now, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, that you would draw them to yourself. They would repent right now where they are and believe in the gospel. They'd surrender to you. Father, I pray for this week ahead of us, some beautiful weather. Pray that it'd be a good opportunity to get out and just ask our neighbors if they need any help with the, the yard or just talk to our neighbors again. Hibernation's gone too long, and I pray that we just seek the opportunity to just speak to our neighbors, to love them and care for them and bless them, and that you will be glorified through it all. God, we pray for the offering this morning. God, I pray that you would bless it and that you would multiply it and you would use it for our good and for your glory as we seek to reach this town and the surrounding area.
Father, we love you and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.